Welcome to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. This episode is sponsored by Sonia Highfield, the founder of Real World Creatives, where she provides intuitive business mindset and life coaching. Her unique blend of intuitive, logical, and savvy coaching is a powerful approach to guiding creative women entrepreneurs to take a holistic look at their lives and businesses. Her clients love her work for gentle yet radical mindset shifts, boosting calm and confident action taking, increased ease around wealth, and encouraging more joy in their lives. You can connect with Sonia through her website, realworldcreatives.com, or her free Facebook group, The Expansive Women's Network. I highly encourage you to check these out if it sounds at all intriguing to you. Now, on to the show. I'm here speaking today with Callie Evans, who is the founder of a self-titled luxury clothing brand for the last three years. Callie, I'm so happy to have you on today, and I'm so excited to hear about the story of your business. Oh, I'm so excited to be on here. This is just, I love chatting about everything around my business. So this is is exciting. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear like how you, I always, and I always start this way, just kind of by asking about how and why you started your business. Like where did it come from and how did you get it started? Yeah, of course. So I think I have, I mean, I think everyone has a long story on how they got to starting a business. I will say like I grew up, my dad Op, like manages the business. And so he has like definitely such an entrepreneurial spirit and passion. And that's kind of like a real, you know, goes way back to my childhood. Now my passion with the like career in fashion definitely started as a, at a young age. I always was sketching and drawing, especially dresses. I just had this desire to be creating beautiful things. And so I went into school. I have a degree in fashion design. And I also like studied abroad in Paris and learned a very technical skill. So this, I'm just kind of like being, speaking really broad. So I have all this background and training. And once I graduated, I actually write from my thesis collection that I presented on my critique panel was my first private client. She had reached out to me after graduation and she had wanted a custom, uh, embroidery like beaded piece done for her wedding dress and from there honestly it just kind of like was a natural progression and just snowballed into getting more clients and throughout that year I just freelanced I took a lot of like online classes with like that had to revolve around um, entrepreneurship or I just soaked up any knowledge from anyone at that point in time and learned everything I could about starting a business. I then a year later in September of 2015 launched my own brand because I felt like there was something there. It had some backing there. I already had some private clients. I knew that something was there and I wanted to create beautiful garments and yeah, and work with the end client. I had, I wanted to keep those private clients going and keep those relationships. So it was just such a natural progression to launch a brand. There were a lot of like, (laughs) in the background, there's obviously a lot of like struggles and ups and downs, but the whole process seemed pretty organic to why I got to that point. I had always known I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had always known that I wanted that, you know, I wanted that path. Yeah, that's amazing. That sounds like the most natural way that it could come about. Like you had 
just clients who came to you wanting your, wanting your product basically. Yeah. And then you realized you could bring it to more people. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> what more could I ask for? Yeah. Just start off slow and kind of build naturally. Once you see how much people want your thing. I mean, that's per- That's exactly what everybody wants. Yeah, exactly. So do you still have like private clients who will come to you for a specific item or whatever? Yeah, of course. So probably I would say a little over a year ago, I had stopped doing like full collections. So I had done two collections under my self-titled brand, Callie Evans. I had taken those collections to New York Fashion Week um, and did like small presentations for them. However, after that, I think it was about that second collection, maybe a few months later, I had realized my private client calendar was just booking up nonstop. So I, and I, so I kind of shifted a little bit and I was like, you know what, I'm going to put the collections, not, not stop them, but I kind of put them on the back burner. I still create, you know, pieces just solely for the brand and not only do my private clients, but my private clients were my priority. And I shifted completely focused on creating one-off pieces for special occasions for wedding occasions and like galas, even like uh, separates, like high-end separates for clients. I was doing that. So it just kind of, again, same way with how my business started. It just kind of took that turn. And I knew what I really liked is that interaction with the client or customer that creating an experience to really like, I felt it really elevated the brand and gave them something that was missing in the normal fashion market right now, because I was working one-on-one. I was creating a garment that was perfect to their measurements. And it was something that they were going to hold on to and probably wear a couple times again, because it's classic. It was timeless, but being very modern and very complimentary to their silhouette, you know, all those things. So I just found such passion in working with private clients that I really dove deep into that. So I've been solely working with private clients for about uh, probably over a year, maybe a year and a half now. Wow. That's really cool. So, I mean, I can't uh, obviously, so I have a service-based business, so it's totally different. Like I don't create like a tangible physical thing that people can then like have and wear and own. And that to me, I mean, it, it, feels like really hard in a lot of ways. <laughs> I almost like, cause I can't, I just can't imagine like all that has to go into that. But I think it's, it feels so amazing when somebody figures out how to do it to me. So, I mean, like, how did you figure out, maybe you were already doing this before, but like, how did you figure out like, you know, how to find clients and even like how to find, you know, the materials that you're using, mm-hmm. figuring out how to like do kind of all those logistical <laughs> things that go yeah, in. So definitely a learning process. So I will say, I, I mean, kind of to talk back to my schooling, when I was in school, our university did a program, like a co-op program. So every other semester you were interning or co-oping with brands or in the industry. So while I was in school, I actually worked for Abercrombie & Fitch, L Brands now, uh, a brand called Licenza, which is very similar to Victoria's Secret. Um, and then I went to New York and worked for a brand called Marquesa, where, I mean, that was like a dream. You're working on red carpet dresses, you know, these beautiful gowns. And then I also had a chance in New York to work for an independent designer. Uh, she was on Project Runway. Her name's Althea Harper. And she was launching, I think she was a couple collections in. She did New York Fashion Week. And honestly, while I was working for her, she was such a small designer. We were only a team of like a couple people. Um, so it was pretty small. And I would say I, I 
just dove in and I was kind of like her right hand man, as they say, uh, or woman. And I was sourcing fabrics in New York. I was dealing with production or like running around to meetings or talking with buyers. And I think that threw me in the deep end, like in a good way. Oh yeah. I had all this knowledge coming into this of, you know, how those conversations started or some good places in New York to get fabrics at wholesale. I didn't necessarily, I worked with per production in New York, but I didn't go that route for myself, but I knew how a production room worked. And I think that was very helpful to see hands-on before I launched my brand, someone else or another brand being produced from start to finish from like sketch pattern, sew it, and then see it on a model on the runway. Oh yeah. That sounds like invaluable experience. Yeah. And a really kind of fun and amazing college experience. <laughs> like that. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. was awesome. I will say like, because I didn't go the production route, I, I have been sewing for many years. I think I started sewing, like learning to sew at age 11. So when I first launched, I did do everything myself, which is how I was able to kind of control everything. I think at first I had this, you know, I was still learning. I didn't necessarily want to jump into a production um, room. And so I was sewing all the samples to make sure they were exactly to the quality that I wanted. I then like jumped over and had a production room produce two samples and kind of dabble in that. Um, And then later on, I brought on a contract sewer for a little bit that was also on the same sewing like level that I was that I felt really could produce those high-end samples. So it just kind of was a Fortunately, I had all that background learning, all the nitty gritty stuff. And then I've kind of transformed that into how it works for me. Yeah, you've got a lot of skills, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's what you need. That's, um, that's really cool. So, yeah. so um, how did you, I mean, you mentioned how the first real client was on um, like the panel when you were doing your presentation at school. How do you feel like the next kind of group of clients ended up finding you after that? Was it mostly like word of mouth? People saw what you had made for her or how did, did you start putting yourself out there intentionally in that way? Um, yes, a little bit of both. I will say like word of mouth is surprisingly like really great. (laughs) Now I was based in Cincinnati, Ohio at the time. And I feel like, I mean, not that it's a small city by any means, but once you kind of, once I got into like the community, I was either networking, like being out and about, or honestly, word of mouth just took off, which is surprising because it just feels like a big city, but I felt like it, it went pretty quickly. And so that's kind of how it's worked since then. I will say there's, I mean, Instagram is incredible in its ability to connect everyone from all over. I met some people, some of some clients from the UK and had like just through communications uh, made them like a custom piece and shipped it to them. Um, so like just, it, it's wild. I didn't do any traditional marketing or anything to really push and drive the private clientele. It just kind of naturally happened. <laughs> wow. That sounds like exactly what everybody would always wish would happen. <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah. There were times for sure where it like dies down a little bit and then you're like, oh, like, you know, what's going to happen? Because I will say like in the fashion realm, I'd say like January got pretty quiet, like December, January got pretty quiet. And I'd be like, oh, no one's reaching out. But something about February, people started emailing me for custom projects that were, you know, three to six 
nine months out. So that was always reassuring, but (laughs) you do hit that lull. I think where I sit in the industry, I hit a lull about end of December, January, maybe the first week of February. And you're like, Oh, should I have done something to like pull in more clients? Like what was I thinking? Yeah. I kept something in the pipeline when it was busy so that you'd have something when it's quiet. Exactly. How long does it take for you to make, like, obviously everything's different, but for like a custom gown or something, like how much time do you need for that? Yeah. So normally I like to at least start three months out normally for like a special occasion dress, um, something like that, because what I like to do is at least have two fittings, which means, so I normally have like an initial consultation, a first fitting in a muslin like fabric. It's like a cotton fabric that looks probably nothing like your end (laughs) dress. And then, you know, from that, I'm just getting fit right. And then we move into the second fitting, which is your final piece, but not perfectly all the way sewn up yet, because if there's any alterations, it's easier to do it at that point instead of when it's finalized and having to backtrack. So two fittings and then you're delivered your final. If it's a more involved piece, like some of the wedding dresses or anything that I've done, that's like nine to a year, you know, nine months to a year or more is when I like to have the initial consultation and kind of start the process. If someone's though is pulling a piece from my collection and just wants it in their size, that can be a quick turnaround. So I, I know that's a broad range of time, but I hope that gives a good scope. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's it different, depends on different pieces. That makes sense. If somebody comes to you and they're like, I need a gown for, or if it's like a wedding gown, especially like, they say, this is what I'm imagining. Like, this is kind of what I want. And then you basically sketch out what you think that would look like and kind of develop the design together. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very much a collaborative process. I think if you're coming to me, you know, my design aesthetic, because I've kind of, you know, I've done some things. If you look at my website, you can kind of get an idea a little bit of where I like to go with garments. Um, I mainly work in silk. So that's my like area of expertise, like high end fabrics. And I really, I'm really passionate about finding the right cut for a body. So I, when someone comes to me, say with, I mean, even a dress design or a wedding, you know, a wedding dress design, and they're like, these are the things that I've either tried on or I think I like or what I'm going for. And I take all that information. We're sitting together, sketching, talking through little details. Like if they want the, you know, their waist really highlighted because that's their favorite part of their body or, you know, that's where they want to showcase it off or if they want a low back, how can we incorporate that that stays true to my brand, but also feels right for them? Yeah, that's awesome. So this might be a stupid question, but (laughs) do you mostly do people who are local if you're doing two fittings or so throughout the process? Or do you, do they travel to you? Do you travel to them? Are you mostly finding people who are like able to come to like your studio? So a little bit of all of the above, I guess. Um, So when I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, I had basically clients in all the bigger cities. So like Cincinnati, Dayton, Columbus, if anyone's familiar with Ohio, so kind of those bigger cities. And I would actually travel to them because I felt that that was kind of a service and there was some lever, level of comfort in being able to go to them. Now that was normally for like the second or third fitting. However, for the first one, I would have everyone in my studio space in Cincinnati. Now that I have moved to California, I'm trying to figure that out, I guess. So this... I have moved to the San Francisco area. 
Um, I'm in the South Bay. And so now I'm just kind of um, trying to figure out how that's going to work moving forward. I have clients back in Ohio that I've worked with for a few years now that I still you know, uh, do pieces for because I have their measurements, I have patterns that fit them. So I can constantly alter that to be a different design. And I know that it'll fit them and work out. So I'm just sending those back. Plus, I'm back in Ohio and in that area a lot still. Um, So I'm just kind of seeing where that goes um, while I'm out here. Yeah, you kind of caught me in an interesting, like, phase in my career. Yeah, so so So. it's pretty recent. I didn't realize you had just gotten out there. Yeah, we just moved right before Christmas. So I... It's been a little bit of an adjustment, but it's an exciting one for sure. We're we're in the heart of tech, so that's a very different realm than I'm used to. <laughs> is that, was there like a reason? Uh, like, is it you and a partner? It's me and my actually now fiance. So oh, we yeah. So is he into tech? Is it was it a move that was like because of that or? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he's actually been back and forth for four years. He works out here. He's an engineer. And so he was in school at the University of Cincinnati still. He's getting his PhD, but he was back and forth between Cincinnati and San Francisco so much. And we kind of a lot. So we decided to make the move. We are loving the weather <laughs> out here currently, but we'll always be, you know, Cincinnati was our our kind of first home and we love it. So we do go back a lot, but very recent move. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So you're kind of still figuring everything out. So yeah. it would be ideal if you built up a local yeah. place in the San Francisco area, it sounds like. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm always excited to like meet new clients and that's kind of what I'm jumping back into. And I don't want to say it's like a total reset <laughs> of, you know, this day one of your business, but it is different because I like was so heavily focused on private clients. It's interesting to jump over um, and kind of not go in, go into a new area with no private clients yet. So I'm interested to see how that grows. I will say I do still have some of my more like ready to wear collection pieces that clients buy or people buy through, you know, other methods. I have some pieces at a boutique in Cincinnati called Idle Wild Woman. So it's still av- like my brand is still available to shop, but uh, right now I'm like interested to see where private clients go here. Yeah. Can people purchase things online or is it really just from different stores that you have it in? So right now it's just on different stores. I'm actually, I used to have e commerce on my website. However, my website is being a li- like, through the move and through a lot of like different things, I decided that this was also the time that I was going to redesign my e-commerce. <laughs> you know why, why put it all on at once? So that's happening. So you used to be able to go on to my website and shop. However, at the moment it is down and it is being kind of reworked on the back end for just to create like a better experience. It just, I wanted it to feel still brand right. And it felt very traditional in the sense of how you shop for fashion these days. So in the future, people can plan to go online and buy things directly from there. Yes. From my website, which is callieevans.com. Nice. Mm-hmm. So in the future, or maybe by the time this airs, and check out the collection on there and shop directly from the website. Yeah, that would be ideal if it launches. <laughs> well, you'll have to let us know when that is. Yes, I will. 
For sure. You know, you know how those projects always go. I, I do feel like in, in any industry, you, you know, you always have a timeline on a project and there's always some like back and forth or, you know, there's always something kind of going on either in like the web end or, you know, especially if you're having to do with, you know, have outside people helping work on it and everybody's got their yeah. own things going on. Oh yeah, exactly. So do you like have a studio? Do you, are you sewing things like in your house right now? Or like, how do you do that? Do you have like, I'm just imagining like all this beautiful material and things that you must have to have in order to. Yeah. (laughs) So I was very fortunate. And in Cincinnati, I had a studio space, which yes, I then had to downsize when I moved because I do not have a studio here. I just work out of my apartment, which is actually perfectly, you know, has enough space for me to work. But I brought like (laughs) all of these beautiful fabrics. I brought a lot of like my samples. And so I think my, fortunately, my fiance knew what he was getting into and with how much stuff goes into this. um, Because having like a product-based business, you're having a lot of components, you know, a lot of stock. I try not to hold up, have a lot of stock in garments or supplies and stuff. I don't want to be wasteful, but it does take up a lot of room. So I do still sew out of my apartment now. I've still have side projects that I've been working on here and there. Like I said, I still have a couple clients I'm finishing up. So yeah, it's all, I luckily have a designated area in the apartment where it's enough room for me to work on projects and yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, that's all. Better I than than being able to work from home. And if you can do that, even with a product based and production based company, then I think that is pretty good. Yeah, I will say. I, I mean, I totally agree with that. Trying to keep my overheads low as well. Yeah. Know? So, what does like on a day when you do have like when you're working on a project, for example, like what does that look like for you? Like, what does your day look like? I guess as the business yeah. owner. Yeah. So I, I mean, a lot of emails, I think anyone in business knows that you're doing a lot of emails in a day. So I definitely have to, you know, manage all the emails, whether it's like back and forth with like graphic designers on, you know, thoughts or directions for a website, or I mean, maybe even like little, um, like the postcards that go in a box when I ship something out or, you know, like little pieces along the way. So just a lot of back and forth with that. I do all of the patterning and sewing myself now again, kind of because it the private clientele is quieted down. I did have another sewer for a little bit helping me out, but now I'm back to doing all the patterning and sewing. So a lot of days I'm sitting like patterning out a piece for a client and then cutting it out and sewing it up. I do also when I studied abroad in Paris, I am now professionally trained in hand embroidery. So I do a lot of beadwork or small custom embroideries for um, projects. So I could be in my apartment now seen embroidering new pieces or something like that um, in a day. I like to do that more so in the afternoon because I have this like weird creative energy that happens about 2 p.m. Mm. that I just get this burst of wanting to create, create, create. So I like to save all that for the end of the day. So the morning is all the logistics and oh my gosh, yeah, can't forget like the accounting aspect of business. I guess I try to do that first thing in the morning. So I'm like, because it really, it's so draining to me. Yeah. Get all that stuff out of the way first. I know, just get it out. And so I like to do all that nitty gritty 
you know, if it's Instagram planning or anything like that, that happens up front. And then the, you, the afternoons are my creative time. Yeah. So I'm, um, well, I'm kind of the opposite. I start to get kind of like drained by the afternoon. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm finished now by like 2 p.m. But it's, yeah, it's good to recognize like when you have those times and when you're going to be the most productive for the different types of things that you need to do and be able to recognize that and work around it. I know I have, I've always been that type of person. And I think some people, I mean, especially I have some friends who are also entrepreneurs and they think I'm crazy because I'm not necessarily a morning person, but I was always the one that like, like two, three, four hit. I, there was like some weird energy that would go till about 11 PM and I would just work like crazy. Like that was my eight hour day or something. And they'd be like, why are you working like how do you have so much energy at this point and I'm like I have no idea but this is like my creative energy comes out and I get so much done whatever works right I know yeah there's no no reason that an eight-hour day has to be from nine to five especially when you're exactly exactly I totally agree I'm trying to be more of a morning person because being on the west coast and you know still communicating with um whether it's clients or contacts on the east coast you know it's it's been very weird so I'm slowly transitioning to being a more of a morning person or at least getting up to be responding to emails or just kind of do the more logistical side of the business earlier I found that it's, it's working out as long as I'm not doing anything too strenuous at like 6am when everyone it's 9am on the East coast, you know? Yeah, totally. I always think of that because I just, it feels like the world revolves around East coast time to me because obviously yes. mine does, but, <laughs> but yeah, then when you work with people who are on the West coast or something, it's like, oh yeah, there's like a whole, whole half the world is, you know, just starting their day. Like it's just totally different. And I feel like we just do deadlines as if everything is for our, like whatever zone we're in. I completely agree. I still, (laughs) everyone's definitely still on East coast time, which is interesting. And maybe that's because in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, I have to think like, oh, they're about to close or, you know, their day's almost over. However, it leaves like this really nice quiet period (laughs) at about, you know, three o'clock here. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get any more email. Yeah. And then you can do all your creative stuff. Exactly. So I wanted to just ask, like, how do you get kind of like inspiration or, you know, I, you said you have a couple entrepreneurial friends, but like, where do you get kind of like inspiration, not just for your brand and your, you know, your pieces, but also just like to kind of be doing this, like to be doing your own business at that. And you started at a young age and what, how old you said you started when you're 24, right? Yes. And that was like three years ago. So yeah, still in your twenties and, um, which I love, but it can be obviously like just lonely or weird running your own business when by yourself and especially as a young woman. So anything that you found that's been really helpful or inspiring or kind of just like pushed you to, to keep going, anything like that? Oh, for sure. I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, working in an industry that you love, you know, that drives me so much. And I know that sounds crazy. However, you know, I was, I've always been very passionate about the fashion industry. And I've always been, you know, very passionate about curating like beautiful pieces and being very um, appreciative of luxury and, you know, artisan crafts and things like that. I've kind of always had that growing up. And I just like, I want to, you know, spread like to everyone else, like, oh, you should really invest in something that's made in the States or made, you know, to perfection and stuff like that. So I just have, I could talk about this topic forever. I could, you know, I think that 
keeps the fire going. I will say being an entrepreneur, you're going like, there's just, there's always down days. There are always things that hit you hard and bring you down. I do try to surround myself with really good people though. I have two friends who are entrepreneurs as well, and we're all really close. And I think we just like do really well bouncing off each other when one of us has a bad day or wants to like vent about something that has been actually incredible. And I feel very blessed (laughs) they are in my life and I am able to, you know, call them up when I'm like, Oh my gosh, this just happened. And I don't know how to fix it. Or like, you know, something's really pulling me down today or I have no energy. And why is that? And I, I think just having someone to talk to is like great. And my part, you know, my fiance is really, really encouraging and supportive. And that's important as well. He, this is not his area of expertise. So when I, you know, have something very like a, you know, a problem, very specific, he's like, I have no idea, you know, how to help you in that area. But I think it's important to have a a support system around you that kind of helps you at those low points, but also inspires you. Like one of my close friends also decided just this past year to launch her own fashion brand. Yeah. And so her and I were like, studio mates in Cincinnati and we constantly were kind of doing events together or she's you know going back and forth with each other and just was such a great like person to bounce things off of because we were yeah that's fun she was going through things that I went through previously and I'm like oh you get it now mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so she has been incredible um and I think just that like it it's so hard And I wish I had like a better answer for, you know, how to get back into the groove. I think it's, for me, it's honestly been about a support system. Mm -hmm. And then I do like to find like little bits of the, not necessarily the internet or like whether I'm of something where I can find inspiration. I guess when I find myself feeling really lonely and like, if I can't you know, vent to anyone about this. I do like to take completely like a break from work and maybe not break from work, but I just like step off and either (laughs) I like to create mood boards for, you know, upcoming projects, either whether it's a client project or, you know, something completely random. I am like such a, like, I like to make mood boards. And I think that's just because like my training in school was, you know, we had to go through this design process and it, involved a lot of research, like a lot of reading, a lot of pulling from vintage, like from history or like vintage fashion and things like that, just kind of pulling from things that were happening. So I like to sit and absorb all of that and then live in that universe. (laughs) I know that's uh, so hard to imagine. I like to sometimes print off photos and I like to just like sit and absorb beautiful things. I see how that would be inspiring though. I mean, and then, then like bonus points for it still kind of being like work related, but also mm-hmm. something that like kind of recharges you. So yeah, I think that's, it's actually easy in my industry. I don't know how to relate that to another industry because it is still kind of work related, but sometimes I don't know for me, like pulling beautiful imagery or looking at cool architecture or, you know, having kind of like a mindless, you know, time period where I can just zone out and sit and look at pretty things. <laughs> yeah, get other design inspiration and stuff. Exactly. Where did you meet the the like two main friends that you were talking about? Like, were, have you guys been friends since college or did you find them somewhere else after that? Yeah. So my close friend, Tessa, who is also a fashion designer, she has 
her own label. Um, her name's Tessa Clark. And she, her and I interned at Marquesa together. And we were actually in school together, but we didn't know each other because we were different levels. So her and I were interning together and we just kind of became like the best of friends starting at that internship. And then the next semester, we actually both went to Paris together. While I was studying, she was working for a shoe designer in Paris. And we lived in like the tiniest apartment on like the top floor. And, you know, you just get close to someone at that point when you're in that close quarters. And so we still reminisce about living in Paris together. And then you both ended up kind of doing your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And businesses. Yeah. And then my other friend actually started out as my client first, which is kind of a funny story. She was an entrepreneur. She had her own business going. It was kind of um, more on like personal styling and that direction. And she had come to me wanting a custom piece. And I don't know what it was from that initial meeting. We just both were like, oh my gosh, like we can just chat for days. Like what is happening here? Um, Connection. Yeah. And so that was two years ago or actually two and a half. So it was very early in like my business stage. Yeah. And it's just wild. And both of them are like, like, you know, we all get on and I, I love them to death. So. That's great. Yeah, I feel like people who are listening would be like, yeah, I I think that makes sense to have entrepreneurial friends to kind of keep building you up and keep you going. But like, where do I get them? <laughs> so that's why I asked that question. <laughs> it is hard. I will say like being now having moved now we live, you know, um, one lives in Colorado and then Tessa is back still in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so it's weird now being out here and I'm like, okay, like who do I go have coffee dates with? So I do feel a little bit kind of even with like in the same business since I feel a little bit at the beginning, I'm like, okay, so like, how do you meet fellow entrepreneurs? So I've kind of turned to (laughs) the internet or, you know, seeking people out through different groups or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's great to have the internet (laughs) for those things now too. Definitely. I feel like that wasn't as big when I was starting my business, but now you can like really connect with people from there. So that's, I think always like kind of the number one tip. (laughs) Someone is there somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I was going to just ask, like, you got me thinking when you were saying you're doing the, the, do the mood boards and stuff, Mm -hmm. you kind of need extra inspiration, but what do you do just to like totally shut down from work? Like what do you like just totally for fun, just to kind of rejuvenate yourself? And yeah. I, I mean, as I feel as everyone, I think is maybe not everyone. I have yet to meet someone who's not a total like Netflix show mm-hmm. person. I guess, you know, I have my moments where I'm like, okay, I just need to completely zone out and watch Game of Thrones. That's like what we're, we're on that right now because it's about to come back on and we're like, we have to rewatch all of them. Oh yeah. I need to do that too. I think. (laughs) So that is probably my one thing is we kind of like to end our day there and like, you know, have a moment where neither one of us is thinking about work, me and my partner. Mm -hmm. Um, we're also like, maybe not him as much, but me, we, now that we live close to Napa, we actually enjoy going to Napa maybe way too much for our own good. But we're both like wine connoisseurs and I love learning about wine. There's something really interesting in it to me. And I love tasting wine, obviously, as well. So oh, cool. I love it. How far is that from where you are? So we're we're about an hour and a half away from Napa. Okay. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, we can just like go up on a weekend day or something. 
Oh, awesome. I don't know that much about wine. So I think that sounds really cool. But yeah, I feel like every time I learn something, I forget it immediately afterwards. It has to do with wine. It helps being like in this area because everyone, I think everyone loves wine in this area. It's hard not to because everyone's talking about, oh, this came from this vineyard or this is this kind of wine. So it's like a constant conversation. So I think it makes it even more interesting being out here. Yeah, I've never gone to like a real winery or anything. So maybe that's been my problem. Yeah, yeah, no, you should because then it really like gets the full experience. And I think then you're immersed in it. So it, it clicks better. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody wanted to work with you, they saw your work on your website and they're like, I want to be a private client. Yeah. How, what do you expect like price wise? Is that, is that based on the, t- the, of the project, like what kind of gown it's going to be and how long it takes you to make it? Or is there like, what is that? How do you even structure that? So it is, it is very difficult and it's been through a lot of trial and error. I will say, so generally speaking, my custom starts out, like if you want the, like more of a formal dress, kind of something still pretty along the lines of my brand, I would say starting rate is at $750 for like the custom experience. That's, you know, two fittings. That involves me doing all the sourcing if it's any like different fabrics you want and anything like that. So that's kind of like where it starts. Now I will say if you want something that is something I've designed previously and we're just kind of modifying it, that, you know, the price then kind of comes down. But then if you want to kind of keep going with it, we can kind of keep taking that to the max. And I've done, um, you know, things where we're doing embroidery, which adds on and we're, you know, we're doing a lot of little details. Um, So I hope that kind of gives a, a starting point. And I know that seems probably quite high when you look at fashion, but so I mean, I only work with um, 100% silks, which silks are known to be like more, um, just last, stand the test of time. They last longer, they wear better and you like, you just feel better in them. And I, you know, source like really high quality silks. I either work with a mill in Italy or a mill in Korea to get the silks, which I've just kind of found over the years, I've narrowed it down to those two places. I also will source like really high end, like, like smaller details, if there's buttons or if there's, you know, any beads or embroidery. Um, I'm sourcing those from the best places like beads come from the Czech Republic um, or France and, you know, those kind of things. So I try to keep everything at the highest standards and kind of go from there. And everything's handmade. Everything is made perfectly to your measurements. We're making sure it's flattering. And, you know, the garment, I believe, is something that stands the test of time and you'll have in your closet forever and ever and ever. Yeah. No, I mean, that sounds really amazing. I I was thinking, especially because you said wedding dresses, like I was thinking maybe things would be a lot more than that. So (laughs) yeah, well, for wedding, it can be different. Like, I mean, it can start that low, but that is like normally like for, you know, something very simple and sleek and minimal. Now, if you're talking like traditional, you know, wedding dresses that have like a, a boning, you know, a bustier inside and um, like, and normally when someone comes to me with wedding, they are normally wanting like four to five fittings. And that kind of goes up from there. And then the fabrics, a lot of, you know, a lot of people come wanting whether it's, you know, really high end, like a lace or an embroidered tool. So that can get up to, you know, about like 3,000, 4,000, you know, you can keep getting up there. Um, 
So yeah, I know that sounds reasonable, but like bridal, just keep in mind bridal, like when you, when um, clients come to me, you're looking at in the traditional sense of bridal, I guess they normally all have like a bustier, like under support. Um, a lot of times you're looking at a fuller skirt, which means more fabric. So it, there's a lot of components. When I start out with 750, that's like when you think of kind of more of like a sheath, very like column-esque dress, very simple and modern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can picture you, me, because I saw the website. Everybody will have to yeah. go to your website to see yes. <laughs> style of gowns we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. But no, I think that still sounds really cool. Like if I had some kind of amazing gala or event to go to, I would love to have a custom made gown. Yeah. And I love it. I mean, it's true what you said. You have it, you can have it forever and mm-hmm. wear it again next time you have something amazing to go to. So yeah. that totally makes sense. And yes. make me feel like a princess. So exactly. <laughs> it seems worth it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I always ask at the end, what is one thing that you wish you had known more about when you first started your business? Yeah. So maybe like, I mean, technically I wish I would have known maybe more or maybe paid attention more to the like accounting money side of things. Like I think we kind of sweep that under the bridge. Maybe that's just me coming from a creative brain (laughs) side of things. Nobody learns that stuff. No. And I think that there's something maybe lost in like our like younger schooling. Like maybe we should have put more emphasis on that when we were younger, because even still I'm like, wait, okay, so you have to do this with accounting. And I swear they try to confuse you with all the numbers and all the little forms and things like that. So make sure you learn that stuff. I, the one thing that helped me, my mother, thank goodness is a, um, an, an accountant, or a CPA. So she has been on me all the time. Now she often is like, no, but you have to do it yourself. Like, I'm not going to do it for you. You have to learn how to do it. (laughs) So I've been trying to, you know, manage the budgeting, the, you know, all the finances is really hard and no one teaches you that that's so important in your business. Yeah. I would say that's the worst part too. (laughs) I also wish like, I mean, we kind of touched on how young I started, I kind of, what I wish I would have known or maybe like had was a bit more, um, okay. I wanted to say like sales, but I don't want to like, I don't, I don't mean sales, maybe more like confidence in talking about my brand. I think up front, I never wanted to come across across like salesy, but I think there's a way to do that in conversation. I think people just naturally, you know, after a couple years, I was like, Oh, I can talk about my brand without it being salesy. I was always worried. I'm like, Oh, like, I don't think I can talk about myself because it's going to come off. Like I'm trying to get them to, you know, buy something or, you know, I'd always be so conscious of that. I'm like, no, it can be so natural. And I think that's the best way to do it. Or, you know, talking to a potential client and such, it just was always so hard in the beginning. And maybe, (laughs) maybe that's because I was so young and I didn't have the confidence maybe, but I, I soon got there. I just wish I would have had had maybe like a little bit more of that skill. I don't know what it would have been, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's just like kind of the confidence to put it out there that like, I'm doing this thing and this is a real thing. And (laughs) this cool job and I, I did this, I started this and it's legit, even if I'm only 24 or whatever, like, I feel like there's definitely can be some of that. I think I started when I think I started my business when I was 23 
Yeah. And yeah, it's like, again, I think mine was kind of similar too, in that I was, it was like just so organic sort of like, I never like sat down and wrote a business plan and like, was like, okay, here's my announcement. I'm starting a business. Like it just, yeah, I just started like you with a client and then another client. And there was no like clear differentiation of like, oh, I'm starting a business. (laughs) Yeah. So there was, yeah, there was definitely like over time I was like, oh yeah, like I now talk about this, like it's a real, like it's a real business. And Uh and yeah, I'm not, I'm not pitching myself to somebody every time I mention it, but yeah, differentiation that can be like, I don't know, a little tricky. It is. It is. I'm glad you, yeah, you definitely like verbalized exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, that it's hard to explain what it is that I wish I had, but (laughs) if this is different, is there one thing that you would now share with other entrepreneurs like currently, or what, if somebody else is just getting started, like what's one thing you would tell them like a tip or advice or something like that? Yeah. I think my, like, I kind of, I'm just like this naturally as a person because I I swear I'm like a serial learner instead of like a serial entrepreneur. You know how people say that. I'm like a serial learner. Like I love absorbing information. And I think just being a sponge. I think when I started out, I didn't necessarily realize how many resources out there were already a, a part of my network. Like if those, you know, who those people were, I think just starting out realizing and being not afraid to ask people like, oh, okay, how do you do this? Or what do you think of this? Just getting some opinions or like, like just absorbing their knowledge because I mean, I didn't go to school for business. I <laughs> kind of just self-taught myself some things and I did, I mean, I did eventually kind of write a business plan, you know, something very rough, but I think you learn and I kind of went back and forth with some people who I knew and I was like, does this like sound like a business plan? <laughs> you know? Um, at the time. And so I think I just try to absorb and talk with as many people who I knew were knowledgeable in the industry or something along the, you know, whether it was at my co-ops or anything, I was just was constantly a sponge. And I think that gained me so much knowledge that I was able to apply to launch a brand. Yeah. I think that's really good. Really good Mm -hmm. advice. You can learn so much from other people who are, who are either around you and already doing things similar, or even if they're doing something totally different, like you can just learn so much by like talking to people and asking people what they know and what their opinions are. And sometimes we don't even think to do that enough. No, I, I totally think that we're, I don't know if like, we're all just afraid of asking for, you know, like to pick someone's brain about a topic. Um, but I don't think we do it enough. And I always have been such an advocate for like, if you just, if you, met someone, you know, even like friend of a friend, you're like, oh, like, it's really cool what you're doing or this area. Like, I just want to talk to you and pick your brain because maybe that, you know, I can either incorporate that knowledge somehow or, you know, just those little bits are so helpful. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So tell people we should wrap this up. So tell people where they can find you online. Um, and in, you know, anywhere, anywhere else on, on your website, on social media, wherever they can, in case they want to connect with you to become business friends or to have you make them something or whatever it may be. Yeah. So my website is www.calleevans.com. So calleevans.com. Um, and then on Instagram, because everyone's on Instagram, I am at calleevans. It's all the same way. If you would like to reach out to me personally, my personal Instagram is at Callie, J-A-E-E-V-A-N-S. So Callie J. Evans is my full name. 
And yeah, I think from there you can pretty much get to everything, like every other social channel mm-hmm. <laughs> possible. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on Facebook, you know, same thing, Callie Evans and Twitter, you know, at Callie Evans. It's all the same. Awesome. So. You're easy to find. Okay. Yes, easy to find. That's good. We'll I'll put that um in the show notes in case people want to connect with you. And I think that's it for today. Awesome. This is a great chatting with you. I'm so glad to have had you on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes with your favorite takeaway from this episode. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and other links are always in the show notes and we're always happy to hear from you with thoughts, ideas, or even suggestions of someone you'd love to hear me talk to on the show. You can also submit guests online at polinapr.com slash podcast. Lastly, please drop a comment on the post for this episode on the podcast Instagram at Female Millennial Entrepreneurs to let me know you listened. Tune in next time.